This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Que Go Lasso. This is our Wednesday preview. Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson join me to discuss Copa Italia, some cup matches in Spain, of course, and Germany and the Premier League as Man City face Brighton, Tottenham face Fulham. We discuss Phil Neville to Inter Miami, Musa Dembele to Atletico Madrid, and so much more. Stay right here because Que Go Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Que Go Lasso, and this is our preview for Wednesday's action. We have Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson. Jimmy, how are you, bud? I'm doing great. There's so many great games, and I can't wait to dive into all of them. Absolutely. Jonathan Johnson, how are you? How is life in Paris? Very well, thanks. And you guys, great to be back on with you. Very wet. Miserable. Oh, Gray. I thought he was talking about us, Luis. I was like, no, what do no, you no, mean? You, I feel like I'm you, nice you guys, and dry over here. Yeah, you guys are the sunshine in my life. You're <laughs> cheering me up. <laughs> in Paris. All right, let's talk uh, about Wednesday's action. But actually, before we do that, everybody, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, two pieces of information, two breaking, well, not breaking news, but just news that are coming out as of late. And, uh, you know, uh, as we get, of course, into January, the much discussion of players and, and player movement, as well as managers and, and being acquired by respective teams is, of course, happening. And I wanted to just begin on Phil Neville, because uh, it seems that it's an all but done deal, Jimmy Conrad, that Phil Neville, uh, the England women's uh, manager or, you know, former, because obviously giving his uh, resignation due to the fact that the women's uh, European championships are being moved to 2022, et cetera. And we don't know about his status uh, on Team GB at the Olympics. Apparently that's not happening. But anyway, Phil Neville, all about done deal to enter Miami to work under his pal, David Beckham. Uh, you know, Fabrizio Romano broke it down for us on the show yesterday. It seems that basically it's a matter of days until this is all done. What are your thoughts on this? Phil Neville to enter Miami. My first initial instinct is, are you supposed to do business with one of your best friends? I always feel like that's a recipe for disaster. You can't really talk to that friend in maybe the same way that you could talk to somebody that you don't have that emotional tie to. So I'm curious about that. However, on the flip side, I guess you can lay into him a little bit more because you've been through some high pressure situations as former teammates. So I don't know. There, there's, I guess, some, some uh, risk there, uh, but also some benefits on the other side. My initial impression is that uh, Diego Alonso, the, the original coach for the team, obviously had to weather the high seas and navigate the high seas of a very difficult season, not only because of COVID, but also just because it's a new expansion team and a very difficult market, as we've seen over the years in Miami, as they're trying to figure out and, and kind of lay the groundwork for their identity, uh, both on and off the field. Speaking of identity, they didn't have much of some uh, of any last year. They have some very talented players. They've got some big names. Obviously, Iguain joined late. Matuidi, uh, Rodolfo Pizarro didn't really kick on and do much, even though he played very well in Liga MA Keys for Monterrey. They need some form of identity, very similar to what I say about Chelsea and Frank Lampard. They just kept changing formations, kept changing who was starting and where. And I don't think that team could ever really settle and figure out. And obviously making signings midseason when you bring in Iguain and Matuidi is going to throw things off as well. So I don't really know what's going on with them. I think Neville will come in and give them an identity, whether it's the best identity given their set of players. That's yet to be determined. I do know that he likes to overload the midfield. He likes to keep the ball. He looks, looks for those numerical advantages. And it seemed like Diego Alonso looked more for the counterattack and that type of stuff. So given what he has at his disposal right now, I think it's going to lend itself to success. But again, I think MLS is going to be much trickier than I think he could ever imagine. It's a much different market and league than any other league around the world. And there's going to be some things that he won't be able to do that he could be doing somewhere else. So it's going to be interesting. And I look forward to this. It's a good, good stepping stone, I think, for potentially for his career. Because if he can manage an MLS team, 
uh, that can that can kick on to potentially another opportunity somewhere else. And and very similar to Patrick Vieira, who did it at NYCFC, proved himself in a tough league, got that opportunity with Nice. Now, unfortunately, that didn't work out. But but uh, I think you could. It's a value. I, I like that the league's being seen as a place for managers to develop as well. So there's a lot to unpack here. But I, I wish him the best. I just think it's going to be a little bit harder than he thinks it is. <laughs> yeah, some some very good points there, Jimmy. JJ, uh, we obviously. Uh, know Phil Neville as a player uh we you know his career with the England women's team you know fourth place at the World Cup she believes cup in 2019 but ever since that tournament things have really not gone uh his way Jimmy discussed a little bit about the tactics what are just just your initial thoughts about the fact that Phil Neville will be heading to major league soccer yeah um like Jimmy I'm also very interested very curious to see how it plays out the one thing that I would say about this and my first observation is when you have somebody coming in as a coach who's got that closeness uh, that understanding uh, you know with the with the guy who basically owns the club Beckham uh, to me that suggests like uh, you know it's it's potentially a way for Beckham to stamp his mark or on this Miami side to get them playing the way that he wants to get the, those star names lined up exactly the way uh, that he would like to, to see them being played uh, on the pitch uh, week in, week out. So, I mean, I do think it's a good opportunity for, for Phil Neville, uh, you know, obviously getting back into to, to men's football after a while out. Um, you know, and I don't think that there probably would have been a, a European, uh, a better European offer or even a, an equivalent European offer uh, you know, to, to Miami. I think it's it, it's a great opportunity for, for, for him to, to start fresh, uh, you know, like, like you said, completely come in and, and change the way, shape the way uh, that Miami play. Uh, we'll just have to see exactly, you know, sort of how uh, that, that relationship evolves between uh, Beckham and Neville, because we have seen things, as Jimmy said, you know, turn sour in the past when you work with somebody who's, who's such a close friend who dates back so long. Uh, so, you know, there, there's plenty to, to gain here uh, for Neville. And I do think that if he does well, it would open him up for, you know, a potential opportunity to return back to Europe and, you know, the most likely destination there being the Premier League. But I think he will have to do equally as well as somebody like Patrick Vieira and then perhaps even better, uh, you know, considering that I would say Vieira enjoyed, uh, you know, a, a greater reputation as a player uh, than Neville did, despite the fact that obviously Neville I played agree, for Manchester United. I agree, United. I agree, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, listen, the only thing that I will say to this is that one of the reasons why Atlanta United was so successful with Tata Martino was because uh, Boca Negra and Darren Eels understood that the team, a new team, needed to echo in many ways uh, the energy of the city itself. And it's that's more respective in MLS than any other league, I think. So Tata, the, one of the reasons Amiron came because of Tata Martino selling the league to himself. But anyway, Atlanta United representing Atlanta itself. Miami is even more so. The capital of Latin America. What that has, uh, it's a new team, but its fan base, it's so passionate about who they represent. I am not saying that Phil Neville will not represent that. I'm saying that it's a, a harder task because I just think that it's very important to make sure that the identity of the team, as uh, Jimmy was saying, needs to represent the city. And there is no better uh, example than that than Miami. So Diego Alonso, I think, was a good idea but because of COVID and so many things are just going against them, it just, it didn't work out. I'm hoping that at least that is understood because Miami is a very unique city city, and that, and that team, uh, even though it's young, even though, you know, they're trying to figure themselves out. And of course, Paul McDonough leaving, you know, they're still trying to find an identity and Miami needs to replicate, you know, the vibe of the passionate fans that exist there. Uh, so that to me will be a very important thing. So, so we're gonna we're gonna question how much holiday time Neville spends in Miami <laughs> to, to to ascertain how deep those links are. He'll be he'll be, I, he'll be setting meetings like in places that you don't even think about. <laughs> I want I want Carlos Valderrama to come back and play. I feel like he really epitomized what the Miami scene wants and needs to see. Right, possession based, lots of flair. Uh, he's the guy. I want him to come out of retirement. The best, the best. Incredible. I mean, st sticking with Neville, just just for one other thing. The other thing that I've noticed with quite a lot of coaches that come from Europe and go go to MLS is you're only really as strong as the 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 people around you, the people telling you exactly what you can and can't do, particularly with regards to the transfer market. I remember Remy Gard, um, you know, being very surprised by a lot of the, the you know, the, the, the sort of red tape, uh, you know, all the rules uh, regarding, you know, how the squad must be formed, uh, potential transfers that you can and can't do, trading, all of that kind of stuff. So that is something he's either going to have to, you know, learn on his feet about, 
or it won't concern him at all. And he'll just be basically putting onto the pitch the pieces that uh, he's given. Yeah, very good point. All right, another piece of uh, news here that I wanted to just discuss. Musa Dembele, um, uh, you know, reportedly, obviously, from our base here at CBS, uh, including Fabrizio, of course, uh, off to Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, which seems a really intriguing piece. Uh, we know how talented he is, but JJ, I just wanted to ask your thoughts on just the player himself, obviously coming from Liga and everything he has done there for Leon. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know what? This is really, really interesting because I think cast our minds back uh, to when we first started covering the Champions League. Leon knocked Manchester City out of the Champions League. Dembele scored twice and his stock was really high at that moment. You know, Leon fought, uh, you know, wanting to keep him, wanting to keep all of their best players in order to get themselves back into Europe after crashing out of the Champions League because they were stuck in that uh, awkward situation where they were faced with being out of Europe for the first time in the best part of 30 years if they didn't win the Champions League, which, you know, obviously was always going to be an impossible task. But they made a good go of it, managed to get to the semifinals, and Dembele played a a key role in that, despite the fact that he spent a lot of time on the bench. Now, the warning signs were there that he wasn't going to be a key player for Rudy Garcia, and it's conspired to be exactly that. He's only had a handful of starts, despite featuring in about 15 or 16 matches so far this season. So he hasn't really had as much of an opportunity to show what he can do, and he's been put in the shade by a very good attacking unit in Lyon uh, over the last couple of months. You've got Memphis Dubai, who's on great form. Carl Toko Akambi, who's doing very well, stepping up and chipping in. Uh, and then you've got Tino Cadawere, who was sort of the unknown factor at that moment because he was stepping up from La Havre in Ligue 2. Uh, and he's made that jump. You know, those three guys are now pretty much in and around the 10-goal mark each so far this season. And Dembele wasn't really getting a look in. So Lyon have lost out massively in terms of his market value because they could have cashed in on him in hindsight after you know that double goal showing against uh, Manchester City in the Champions League. They didn't. Uh, and now they're, they're going to be hoping that he has a very productive second half of the season uh, in Madrid uh, and in order to make sure that Madrid take up that option to buy that's in the deal. Uh, but it is a, a deal that I can potentially see Atletico winning from. Uh, you know, he's a guy who knows how to score. Uh, you know, he's got good technique. He's, you know, he's had a good footballing education, came through the ranks at PSG despite never making a senior uh, debut. Uh, then he went to Fulham, then he went to Celtic. And, you know, he's continued to score and be prolific for Leon up until he lost his place in the team under Garcia. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy who goes to Atleti with a point to prove. And considering the change in the way that Atleti have played over the last couple of months, uh, you know, I think that really suits him because before it's not necessarily a move that I could have seen working had uh, Simeone stayed true to the, the style that he'd implemented there over the years. But now with, you know, Atleti capable of suddenly playing a variety of different styles, you know, I think Dembele, you know, really, really could suit them quite well. And considering that you've already got the likes of Luis Suarez in that team, uh, you know, they, they have the makings of a very prolific attacking force. Yeah, great stuff there. Jimmy, uh, thoughts on this? As an Atleti fan, a player with a point to prove always sounds like music to Cholo Simeone's ears. What do you make of this one? I'm excited about it. Obviously, uh, Diego Costa wasn't working out. I think there's some emotional baggage with him. He played for the club before, and obviously bring Luis Suarez in. He's going to feel obviously a little defensive about, wait, what does this all mean? I, I'm, I'm the old guy up top. And uh, he was expensive as well. So you move him along and you get a good price or at least have an opportunity to get Dembele at a good price. As JJ said, he's scored goals against big clubs before. He's proven it. He's got a nice track record. He's got 20 goals in all competitions the last two years for Lyon. But this, this particular season's been tough for all the points that JJ brought up. I do think a new, a new, a new scenery, new, new teammates can maybe uh, lift his spirits a little bit. And I think he'll come in knowing exactly what his role is. You're not going to start unless Luis Suarez is slowing down or he needs a little bit of a, you're like a spot starter in a lot of different ways. And in those moments, can you, can you take advantage of it and, and score and, and look to combine with Joao Felix and Angel Correa and Yannick Carrasco. And I think it's a great signing. Ultimately, he's only 24 years old. I think, uh, it, the upside is, is very, very good. I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. And so now we'll wait and see if Diego Simeone can get the best out of him or if he's just going to turn him into the best defensive striker of all time. Yeah. yeah just to add to what Jimmy was saying, um, there was a very interesting interview with uh, Leon sporting director, Janino, uh, over the weekend where he admitted that Dembele had come to see him. Uh, and on top of Dembele saying that he thought it was the right moment for him to leave the club, he crucially said, to Janino that he had lost some of his motivation playing for Leon uh, and Janino 
hinted at the fact that they accepted his will to or his desire to leave based on the fact that they couldn't count on him being fully committed to the club for the remainder of the season. I found that very interesting because I think that gives Cholo something to work with. You know, he's got a guy who's looking to be rejuvenated, like Jimmy said, a change of scene, uh, you know, will or should really, uh, you know, do him the, the, the world of good. Uh, and if he does go somewhere new and feel like he has to prove himself over again, you know, the challenge has been laid down. I think that's going to see Dembele being more productive uh, the, than we would have expected had he, you know, met, perhaps just swanned in after scoring uh, that brace against City over the summer. And this actually adds uh, another piece to Alvaro Morata because he's at Juventus, uh, you know, from Atleti. And obviously Juventus apparently want to keep him, of course. So this would help a lot, especially if Dembele does well. All right. That's great. A lot of information there. All right. Let's take a break and then we'll dive right into Wednesday's action. Stay right here. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Go Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. And we are talking now Wednesday action. And, you know, when I was doing this list and all of us were just talking about what to preview, I thought, oh, a game here and there. There's a lot of games here on Wednesday. Jimmy, let's begin in the Premier League. Uh, two fixtures, starting with, of course, Manchester City uh, against Brighton. Um, how do you see that one? I see this being one-way traffic for Manchester City. They have rounded into some great form right now. They're one of the clubs that maybe a month ago you thought, and I think about this from a Champions League perspective, I don't know, you know, I don't know how far they're going to get. They got Bruce Munch and Gladbach. Those guys are pretty good. Maybe they get struggle, but now they look unbelievable and they haven't lost in 13 games. Uh, they're on a six-game winning streak in all competitions. They've scored 15 during those six games and conceded only twice. Their defense is the best in the Premier League. Uh, they've put a big emphasis on that. They're not scoring as many goals, but they're seeming to unlock that a little bit. Bernardo Silva uh, had a great game in particular. Phil Foden has really come alive uh, this past weekend the FA Cup. Uh, I, I really like them a lot. It's tough to get some good odds here. Brighton, uh, not very good against City in particular, and, and uh, they've only won just once in their last 16 matches overall. So, yeah, things not looking good. I think over three and a half goals, because I just think City's just going to pile it on. Why not? Plus 120 on William Hill. Penalty taken? I'm going to say yes at plus 170. I just think that because of the amount of possession that City have, I just think they're going to be in and around the box as they do. And I think Brighton's going to have to take a risk at some point, and that will lead to a penalty. Uh, and then if he plays, I don't know if he's slated to play or not, but if he starts and plays, I like Bernardo Silva to score anytime. He's the hot hand, uh, plus 190. Those, those are the kind of lines I'm looking at at the moment. So, JJ, if Man City beats Brighton and Tottenham doesn't get anything against Fulham, you know, big if, of course, and Leicester City not playing until Saturday, uh, Man City jumps all the way to third place here. Uh, this is a, quite a big run, especially since we talked about, you know, they were 11th a, a few weeks ago. We didn't really think about their consistency, but to Jimmy's point, and especially something that he's been talking about for a while now, City's looking good and, and the team to watch. How, how do you see, obviously, this one and just Pep Guardiola's side as they continue to go up the table? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th I think this is a good example uh, of why you have to really place great emphasis on the games in hand that a lot of clubs have, you know, not just in the Premier League, but all around Europe, because there are some, they're, they're almost kind of like sleeper teams in the league where they've got so many games in hand, then they're naturally going to be a bit further down the, the pecking order because they haven't had as many opportunities to put as many points on the board as some of the others, uh, you know, and I think City are a really good example of that. Uh, but you look at what's happening in the Premier League or in, in English football at this moment in time with, you know, so many different COVID explosions had one at Villa, uh, that forced us to field the youth team in the FA Cup and then got the game against Spurs postponed at the, that has resulted in Spurs actually playing Fulham, which was supposed to happen at the end of December. So, you know, I think the Man City are one of the teams who have benefited the most, uh, you know, from these games in hand, having that time to sort of rest up, recuperate, regroup, uh, you know, work out exactly what their strategy is going to be. Uh, and we see it paying off at the moment in the, the form they're in. I mean, OK, they, they have lost players to COVID as well. Sergio Aguero is going to be out for sort of nine to 10 days. I think Guardiola estimated uh, that could be a blow for them if they need to, to dig into their depth any time over the sort of next two weeks. But, uh, you know, for, for the most part, it's, uh, you know, I think this scenario for them of having the games in hand uh, has worked out really well. It's worked for Spurs as well, but to a lesser extent. Uh, so, you know, now the big question is, are Spurs going to take that opportunity at home uh, against Fulham? Because uh, like Jimmy said, I can't see City's form uh, letting up against a Brighton side. There's a potential wild card in the match and it's going to be the first game I think that Percy Till is uh, is, is uh, available for. An interesting wrinkle from uh, from Brexit, it actually made the work permit for him possible that was pretty much impossible in the pre-Brexit rules. Uh, so the, the South Africa international, him coming in, could give Brighton a boost, but we just don't know exactly what he's going to offer at the moment. He's looked quite good uh, in Belgium over the last couple of years because he was pretty much perennially loaned out there. Uh, so we'll JJ, see what JJ, he adds. I gotta, I gotta cut you off. Brighton can bring in Messi. <laughs> they could bring in Messi, and they're still not going to win this game. Okay, so that's <laughs> just going to throw. It's, it's not, it's not necessarily for whether they can win this game or not. It's for whether they can give themselves something to to sure, cling sure. on to in the games <laughs> moving forward. I, I don't see anything other than a City win. Uh, in this match, but I think that Brighton, they're, they're in a bit of a precarious position at the moment because you look at the table, they're only three points uh, above Fulham in the relegation zone. And Fulham have a couple of games in hand as well. So again, uh, you know, this games in hand uh, thing, you know, really is is impacting both ends of the table. Yeah, absolutely. And Brighton, by the way, the race uh, to signing Moises Caicedo, the young Ecuadorian star, which is kind of amazing to me that <laughs> it's Brighton, they're the one that might lead the race. By the way, can we just, uh, before I get your score predictions for this game, we've talked about Trent Alexander-Arnold, other right back, so good. Joe Cancelo is amazing. He is such a good player. Um, I, I think he's right now the best uh, right back in the league. What, what do you think, Jimmy? Yeah, Pep came out and had a press conference and answered a question about Cancelo just recently saying that he was confused in his first season. He didn't really know where he fit. When he signed, he, he, he thought he came in with different expectations and maybe the team could allow. And now I think he's starting to play within himself, play within the system, and he's really blossomed. I mean, they've been fantastic. We talk about kind of the center backs, Ruben Diaz, John Stones, being revitalized in a lot of different ways, being a good you know, center back pairing. And then Cancelo, for me, I think is a big reason why they're, they're so stout defensively as well. He is a tremendous, tremendous player. And, and uh, as he continues to settle, they're only going to continue to get better. I think the left back position is the only one on, on City's back line where he like, is it Zinchenko, is it Mendy? They don't really have as much consistency. But even when he lines up there and they have Kyle Walker on the other side, you know, they, 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 he locks it down. Again, he plays within himself. And I think that's been a big, big piece for City this season. All right, so what's your prediction for this one? Let's, Jimmy, what, what do you I'll say? go 3-1, 3-1 to City. I'll, I'll give Brighton a little bit of love there. Somebody will score, and they'll maybe nip something on a, on a set piece. But ultimately, I think City are going to be complete control of this one. JJ? I'm going to go for something probably more severe, 4-0 uh, City. I'll be I'll be in the middle. I'll go I'll go two one. Brighton will really. <laughs> That's so nice. You're so nice. That is such a nice thing. You're so nice, Louise. Brighton will really go for it. <laughs> no, I, it's a Man City win. Absolutely. Uh, they're just on a roll right now. All right, Tottenham against Fulham. We talked about it. JJ mentioned it. It was meant to be Tottenham against Aston Villa, but due to the COVID break, uh, Bodimor Heath Aston Villa really is dealing with 
a serious COVID situation. Uh, the Everton game, which is now being moved to Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's, it's not 100% certain, depending on how that happens. So that means Tottenham and Fulham has been moved up to Wednesday. Uh, and again, you know, uh, we mentioned that Tottenham can continue uh, going up the table. They have a game in hand to Leicester City uh, with uh, a win under them. They're in fourth spot. Man City right behind him. How do you see this one, Jimmy? Tottenham against Fulham, a London derby here. Well, we're already seeing some bickering from both managers. Uh, not surprising from Jose Mourinho. Maybe a bit more surprising from Scott Parker, the manager of Fulham, who said he would have maybe had a different lineup in the FA Cup over the weekend had he known this game was going to be played. He found out after the fact that they're going to play Tottenham midweek. So he's a little bit bitter. He says they're a little decimated because of COVID. They can't roll out their best team and yada, yada, yada. Of course, Jose Mourinho is like, yeah, I don't care. I found out two hours before the last time we were supposed to play that the game was off. So basically deal with it. Suck it, buddy. You know, I love it. I love Mourinho and every stretch of the imagination when it comes to those press conferences. Uh, so, so there's already some animosity there. I think Spurs are in cruise control, very similar to City. They've started to round back into some good form. They've won three consecutive games in all competitions without conceding a goal. They're now in the League Cup final against City, which will be a very good match and uh, got to the fourth round of the FA Cup and now are climbing back up the table, currently in fourth. So even though Fulham have uh, gone unbeaten in their last five in the league, um, they've only scored, excuse me, in the last four, they've only scored uh, two goals in those last five games uh, in total overall. And I don't see them scoring, especially with a decimated team. I like Spurs to keep a clean sheet plus 100. And I think Spurs, even though Harry Kane, Hingman's son, who didn't play on the weekend, will come in into the field. I still think this one's going to be a little bit tight just due to the fact that Fulham have been very good uh, over, especially just not giving up a lot of opportunities. And when you have a team that maybe isn't as strong as you want, you're definitely emphasizing having good team shape. Just be, don't, don't be easy to break down. You have your couple lines, try to get to halftime zero, zero. So I could see this one being maybe being a little bit tighter. I don't think there's going to be the same, maybe pockets of space that we maybe normally see from Fulham earlier in the season. I think they've tightened that up a little bit, but that just means they got nothing going the other way. So Spurs again, to get a clean sheet plus 100. And I like Spurs to win in under two and a half goals plus 290. Yeah, the fitness of Tottenham is looking better, especially with Pierre-Emil uh, Hodgeberg, who should be returning for this game as well. I think that's a big part of their midfield. JJ, Tottenham, Fulham, uh, London Derby, Scott Parker, angry. Mourinho doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> either way, to your point, Fulham can do something here if they can catch up to Brighton and get out of the uh, bottom three. But of course, uh, it's easier said than done. How do you see this one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one is really, it's interesting from a Fulham point of view because of the situation they're in with those games and how to get out of the relegation zone, but also because of the fact that they've only played once so far this year. Uh, I think they've, they've only, in fact, they've only played once since Boxing Day, you know, which actually, okay, puts them sort of on the verge of potentially lacking a little bit of uh, match rhythm, but also at the same time means that their players are going to be much fresher than most uh, squads at this moment in time so yes I can completely understand where Parker's coming from saying it's it's not ideal it's not ideal but if everybody complained about you know the situations that are not ideal every single pre and post match <laughs> press conference in the Premier League is going to be about people saying all oh, the situation's not ideal you know everyone's just got to sort of grin and bear it uh, you know frustrating to have dropped out of the FA Cup uh, by having to field a youth team but you know Villa did what they had to do in order to stop the the calendar from getting uh, you know, too, uh, too muddled. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of clubs having to make sacrifices at the moment, uh, you know, and I think Fulham being able to go to, to, to Spurs uh, and being able to, to, you know, to, to play this, this game is, you know, is not a huge sacrifice really overall. It's, uh, it, it just needs to be done. So people should stop complaining about it all the time. We've got, uh, uh, you know, a good, uh, a, a very good Spurs side, uh, you know, he's, he knows that they're they're in for a tough time. So use that extra match fitness uh, to their advantage, you know, try and run them as close as possible. And who knows, maybe they could nick a point. And listen, by the way, like moving this fixture now probably helps him a little bit just because you never know what might happen in, later in the month and it becomes a little busier for them in the first place. All right, Jimmy, how do you see this one? Tottenham Fulham. I got two zero Spurs. All right, JJ. I'm going to say three one Spurs. I'm going to go with, Three nothing. Fulham's getting nothing out of it. Oh, Luis is not nice anymore. He went from being nice to like slapping people around. I like it. Well, Luis. I just, I unpredictable. Agree. Okay. I just, listen, like, I'm very thankful for that the league's still going <laughs> and players are going. But Scott Parker needs to understand that, you know, every team is dealing with stuff. Like, it's not, it's not uh, completely unique to the cottages. And my result, 
reflects my anger at Fulham. <laughs> All right. When we come back, the rest of Europe, including Coppa Italia, the Spanish Supercoppa, uh, and so much more. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, here with Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, previewing Wednesday's action. And now we move to the rest of Europe. Jimmy, a lot of matches here. Where do we start? Yeah, there's so much to choose from. I think JJ's going to go with PSG versus Marseille, so I'll, I'll let him take that one. So I'm going to focus on the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, Real Sociedad taking on Barcelona, hosting Barcelona. Now, a month ago, Real Sociedad was like the team in La Liga, the top of the table. They're cruising in their Europa League group. You're like, wow, what is happening at La Real? David Silva definitely made the right decision, not going to Lazio, spurning them to go to back to Spain and play for Sociedad. Uh, it's been pretty much a train wreck since then. And conversely, Barcelona have done the opposite, kind of a train wreck to start, starting to find their form. Messi's smiling, getting off to his best ever start, second best ever start in a calendar year. Uh, he's got five goals in his last five games, four goals and an assist in his last three since the beginning of the, I mean, they're cruising right now. They're, they're settled into a 4-3-3. And more than that, Messi playing the false nine. Griezmann looks comfortable. He's playing very well since the beginning of the year. Dembele's healthy. He's like a new signing for them. For me, their big issue with Barcelona overall in, in, in this game is their back line. They're playing with two 21-year-old center backs, Mingueza and Arujo. Uh, Arahu, Arujo, 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 I, I can't speak. This, this is Arajo. That was my big, big, like, New Year's resolution was pronouncing names. I apologize, everybody. Just so, so Leon. That's it. Leon, Leon. Leon and Leon. There you so, go. Thank you. I'm there. I'm there. So, so. That's going to be, I think, their Achilles heel until Gerard Piquet maybe comes back into the team. They're going to give up some opportunities. Mark Ter Stegen's going to have to stand on his head. But in terms of given current form, I like Barcelona to do the business here. I think Real Sociedad have enough to score. But Barcelona to win both teams to score plus 175. If you want to level it up and get specific, Messi to score, Barca to win both teams to score is plus 280. Get a little bit better value there. I think Messi will be involved in some capacity. So just try to maybe factor him in to the bets. He, he looks like he's enjoying himself again. I don't know if he's already agreed to a, a pre-contract somewhere else and he's got that peace in his life, but he definitely looks uh, a lot more settled than he did maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, JJ, to Jimmy's point, Barcelona look better. Messi looks happy. Uh, thoughts on their recent run, which has been very, very good so far. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it'll be of concern in Paris that the Barcelona is starting to come into a bit of form, you know, starting to resemble a, a team once again. I mean, I don't think it's that surprising when you consider all of the quality on the pitch that, you know, uh, Kuman, you know, is a, is a is a good tactician at the end of the day. He was always going to be able to establish uh, a, a system that worked. I mean, I think maybe one of the things that may has made his job easier uh, is the amount of unavailability and, uh, you know, some of the, the recent injuries he's had. It's made his job a lot simpler uh, you know he knows who he can call on who he can't call on uh, and that in that sense you know it's it's enabled him to to make the system clearer and I think now that the players understand it better you're seeing them performing you know to their strengths you know like like Jimmy said we're seeing a rejuvenated Messi at the beginning of the year whether that's for for some other reason away from the pitch we we don't know yet have to wait and see what happens in the in the elections later this month you know perhaps it's linked to that uh, but it, you know it it's really not a surprise to, to see a team like Barcelona start to find form uh, when you consider the quality that they can put out there on the pitch. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, score on this one? I'll say 3-1 to Barcelona. I almost said 2-1 to Barcelona, but I'll say 3-1 in this one. JJ? 2-0, Barca. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to go with a draw. Let's go wow. with... Wow, wow. Let's give some love to La Real. Uh, all right, uh, JJ, you mentioned uh, Barcelona looking good. Uh, could be a worry for PSG. So let's move there as PSG face Marseille. Uh, PSG second in Ligue 1 to Lyon, Marseille sixth. But they have two games in hand as well. So, you know, this could be uh, intriguing. So how do you see this one? This is Pochettino's, surely his first uh, big test. It is, but what uh, what if I wanted to talk about Holstein Kiel against Bayern Munich instead? <laughs> Do it. Do it. I got the Holstein Kiel jersey yeah, on. Man, uh, well, that, 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 that's well, exactly I what, I'm, what I'm curious. JJ, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We'll do PSG Marseille, and I'll come right back to you with Bayern Munich. And, uh, uh, because oh, Jimmy, has a, Jimmy has a great story as well. So let's go with uh, PSG. Oh, no, that's, that's the whole reason I want, I want to hear about it. No, it's uh, for, for PSG, for Pochettino, obviously, this is a very big opportunity. Uh 
you know, it's always great to have uh, Marseille and PSG going head to head for silverware, uh, to have Le Classique, especially when you consider how feisty it was uh, at the beginning of the season. You know, there's still a lot of needle there, despite the fact that the PSG have changed coach and, and Pochettino is now in the seat. But this is a, a big, big chance for, for Pochettino to, uh, you know, to do something early on with PSG, you know, it'd be his first piece of silverware as a coach. Uh, you know, so that that would be the monkey off his back, so to speak. But it would also be the first time that he's able to call upon the likes of Neymar, likes of Presnel Kimpembe, Leandro Paredes, Danilo Pereira. Uh, these guys who are just coming back from uh, a bit of unavailability. He's got Kylian Mbappe at the moment who, OK, he produced a moment of magic to, to create the goal for Mauro Icardi against Brest at the weekend. But he's really, you know, sort of struggling to find his best level at the moment. There's a lot of speculation going into the match uh, that uh, Pochettino might actually leave Mbappe on the bench, start with Neymar and then bring Mbappe on. It's a tactic that we've seen work in the past. Uh, Tuchel especially has, has used that where he's brought Mbappe on against Marseille uh, at the Velodrome and he scored almost in instantly after coming on. Uh, same happened against Lyon as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pochettino plays this. Uh, you know, We started to see against Brest uh, that the players were buying into his methods. There's some slight changes in style, the way that they're approaching things. So it's, uh, you know, the, they're, they're a work in progress for sure, but Marseille are not in the best of form coming into this one. So I think this is a great moment for, for PSG to, you know, confirm their return to form and for Pochettino to potentially get that first piece of silverware in his cabinet. Jimmy, this is uh, your team, Marseille. Uh, thoughts on this one as they face Pochettino's PSG? Yeah, even though Marseille went to Paris and won earlier this season in Liga 1-0, Florian Tova, I think I said that right, scored. Uh, I just don't see it happening again. Uh, Marseille, for me, is still disappointed about their Champions League run. Yes, they could be focused on their domestic form, and at that time it was good. So I'm like, all right, I'll give Andres Villas-Boas, the manager, a little bit of, of leeway there. But their domestic form since then hasn't been good either. I'm not a, I'm not a big Andres Villas-Boas fan. I think he's a bit of a... I don't know. Can I say fraud? Can I say poser? I, I just think he's living off borrowed time, being the assistant manager for Jose Mourinho, having a good run with Porto and everybody was buying into this magic. There's no magic there. I don't, I'm not buying what he's selling. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a frustrated Marseille fan. I'll say that said though, the funny storyline for me is that Pochettino was with Spurs for five and a half years. Couldn't win a trophy. And within three weeks with PSG, he's going to win his first ever trophy. So I really love that storyline a lot. Uh, I love that. He's going to have a healthy team and, and you know, I want to see what he does. Obviously he brought, Baratti up a little higher in the field to see if he can combine and get get up there. To JJ's point earlier, uh, I think in a podcast last week, uh, Baratti doesn't really like to shoot from distance. So, you know, it's just interesting to see how he's going to unlock things if, if that's never a threat for him to really unleash from, from distance. Whereas, like, let's say a Papu Gomez, for instance, would just shoot if the space was available. Anyway, getting into the weeds there. I like PSG to win both teams to score plus 150. Uh, I do think that Marseille do have the firepower to hit the back of the net. I just think PSG have too much. I think they're going to want to impress not only Pochettino, but just to get that first trophy under their belt for the season and start to focus on, on other competitions. If you want to level that up, Mbappe or Neymar to score, PSG to win, and both teams to score plus 275. So, uh, yeah, I got 2-0. I know you're going to ask me my score. I got, I got I'm going to say, uh, no, I'll say 2-1. I'll give Marseille a goal there. But, but uh, the bookies have the exact scoreline of 2-0 being the favorite at plus 650. All right, 2-0. JJ? Uh, let's try and make this interesting. 3-1 PSG. 3-1 <laughs> PSG. Uh, two, 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 one, two one's a good shout, I will say that. All right. I'm going to go with 1-0 PSG. Let's wow. just 1-0. All right, let's right. bring you back, JJ. Uh, uh, as uh, Holstein Kiel faced Bayern Munich, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, in terms of the match, how Bayern react to losing to Mönchengladbach. Uh, I mean, I, I was amused to see that they finally got caught out, uh, you know, having spent weeks and weeks uh, going behind only to go in front and, and win at the end. You know, they actually went in front and when they fell behind, they couldn't get back you know, level or, or, or back in front. So it's, uh, it, it did amuse me uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, I, Bayern at this moment in time are not uh, as dominant as I thought that they would be. Obviously, uh, you know they they're still at the top of the of, of the of the Bundesliga in terms of the chase. Uh, but it's uh, you know they they've missed uh, an an opportunity to you know pick up points uh, against a very good Mönchengladbach side. 
uh, and then you know sort of go on and, and try and kill kill off the title race with some of the easier matches that they had following that. But no, the whole reason I wanted to talk about this match was to hear Jimmy's story about Hoshan <laughs> Kill because it's funny. It's a it, there's a, a friend of mine I used to work with uh, before I moved back to Paris. Uh, used to go to Germany once a season to go and watch Holstein Kiel's bitter rivals VFB Lübeck. Uh, so it, it just it made me smile uh, remembering that story when I saw Jimmy's shirt. And I'm curious to hear what the story is now. Yeah, well, yeah. if you're watching this on YouTube, Jimmy is wearing the shirt. And Jimmy, now the floor is yours. Uh, talk to us about this team. I think really quick about Bayern Munich. The fact that they're still on top of the table and not playing well is the scariest thing ever. I mean, imagine when they actually start to play well and lock it down in all areas and they're just going to run away with it. All right, now let's talk about Holstein Kiel. So I coach a fourth division club in this country called the San Francisco Glens, uh, USL League Two, and we've developed a relationship. We try to do it with, with clubs around the world so that we can maybe send players over there and vice versa and learn best practices both on and off the field. And we have a great relationship with Holstein Kiel. We, they're our sister club over in Germany. And I had the opportunity to go over to Kiel and to spend time with their coaching staff and their front office and learn what they're doing and their methodologies. And uh, I have this jersey. And so we have a great relationship with the club. I'm very excited for them to take on Bayern Munich in the DFB Pokal. They're plus 2,100 if, you, if they're going to beat Bayern Munich uh, straight up uh, on William Hill. I might throw $10 on there to win 200. Why not? You know, let's see what happens. They have the, the, the best defense in the, in the second Bundesliga. They're currently in third. They do have trouble scoring goals a little bit, but but if they can somehow, you never know. It's a cup competition. I don't see it happening, but stranger things have happened. So I'm pulling for them. Their nickname is the Storks. So up the Storks. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping the, for the very best for Kiel on Wednesday. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So uh, give me a score prediction then. What do you think there, Jimmy? Oh, my heart says in penalties, Kiel's going to somehow figure out a way. But uh, my head says Bayern's probably going to win three or four nothing. <laughs> JJ? Yeah, I agree with Jimmy. I think I can only see a, a heavy Bayern victory, unfortunately, for, for Kiel. As much as I would love to, to see a giant killing, which we have seen, uh, you know, in recent years in the, in the Pokal. Uh, you know, we saw Saarbrücken, who are going very well in the third tier, uh, do quite well. I think it was last season. So uh, fingers crossed for an upset, but I, I don't think that there will be one in this game. <laughs> yeah, me too. 3-0 Bayern Munich. Uh, though the jerseys are legit. I like them. I want one, definitely. All right, I'll, before... talk, I'll, I'll talk to them. Let them let them know if you want one. <laughs> All right. Before we uh, wrap up and answer some questions from listeners, uh, uh, any other games here, Jimmy? Copa Libertadores, Santos face Boca in the second leg. Uh, Copa Italia as well. Fiorentina, Inter, Juve, Genoa. Uh, anything else there that you, you'd like to see? I think for me, I want to see how AC Milan does now that Zlatan's coming back into the team. He should be starting this one against Torino. They just beat Torino on the weekend. Torino, unfortunately, has to play them twice in a row, so that sucks for them. Uh, Juve is now into the round of 16. This is their first uh, game in this competition. I want to see how they do and who they line up with. Obviously, they got some big games coming up. They got uh, the big uh, Supercopa against um, Napoli, and then they got Inter Milan, of course. So I'm interested to see what lineup gets rolled out. But to your point, Copa Libertadores, second leg, semifinal, Santos versus Boca, 0-0 in leg one. Pretty even throughout. Not, not really that exciting of a game. I'm curious to see how this goes. Uh, William Hill, plus 188 for Santos to win straight up. The draw is plus 210 after 90 minutes. I like Boca. I'm a Boca fan. I'm, I'm a fan of pretty much everybody. Plus 160 for Boca Juniors to win this Dale Bo. Uh, I think they're going to do the business. I think Carlos Tevez is going to somehow, you know, find that magic and, and get a winner from them. But Santos coming off a big win against Sopalo, big rivalry there. Uh, yes, or last week, excuse me, this past weekend, 1-0. So they have some confidence going in. Boca's coming off three consecutive draws uh, in Argentina in the league. So given current form, I think Santos has got it, but I like Boca to try to get to the final and potentially play River Plate. Yeah, uh, well, let, let's see what happens there because as we tape, of course, the uh, River play, play play Palmeiras uh, on Tuesday, but they're down three nothing. Uh, you never know. You never know. You never know in South America. You never know. Uh, JJ, any games uh, that we missed or you wanted to highlight before we answer these questions? I mean, I'm pretty interested to see uh, all the games that we've touched on so far. But you know, I also think in the Coppa Italia uh, that clash between Fiorentina and Inter. Uh, is going to be quite interesting. Fiorentina starting to pick up a little bit under Prandelli now. Uh, Inter as well, you know, can't really afford too many distractions from this Serie A title race because they have so much riding on it, considering how bad the Champions League campaign was this season. Uh, you know, and I just wonder if it's, you know, perhaps a, a good tactical exit from them in the Coppa Italia if they're, you know, pushed 
to the to the brink by Fiorentina and then perhaps just edged out, uh, you know, because I think ultimately Inter's title hopes may well rest on just being focused on Serie A between now and the end of the season. Yeah, very good point. All right, before we say goodbye, everybody, two questions from listeners. Uh, let's get the thoughts from Jimmy and JJ on this one. The first one coming from uh, at Selvedin, Selvedan, I don't know. Selvedin, thank you so much. But will any of the French players join Real Madrid this summer? Mbappé, Camavinga, uh, Upemacano, Kunde. Uh, obviously, we had Fabrizio Romano yesterday talking about Upemacano's situation. It won't be resolved till the summer, so we'll see what happens there. Camavinga uh, and others. JJ, what are your thoughts on all of those, especially Kylian Mbappé, of course, who, who will be the biggest? Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of these guys are going to be seeing moves uh, before the summer. Uh, I think they're, they're all pretty much playing for clubs who don't want to see them go. I think Upamecano, Leipzig, you know, sort of resigned to the fact that he will leave, uh, but PSG still want to extend uh, Kylian Mbappé's contract. And Ren, uh, you know, won't want to see Camavinga leave, but, you know, while he's not signing a contract extension, that's obviously a possibility. The one thing that I would say, particularly with regards to Real Madrid being interested in some of these French guys, is that I don't think that they would have enough money, uh, and the same goes for any club in Europe, to sign more than one of those players. Uh, and I don't think that they will be able to afford the price that PSG would ask for somebody like an Mbappe this coming summer. I think Real Madrid's best opportunity to get him is to hope that he runs his contract down with PSG and moves on a free because I think his salary uh, you know his pay packet is already going to be substantial enough uh, especially coming off the back of well hope, hopefully coming off the back of the the impact of covid by that time uh, you know we'll see how that uh, develops but i think the likes of uh camavinga depending on where ren finished the season in liga uh, or uh, a kunde are probably the most realistic for real madrid uh, i think it's obvious that upper meccano will probably leave leipzig I'm just not sure that Real Madrid will be his destination. I mean, he's been linked with Premier League clubs for so long. Uh, it definitely seems like somebody there is, is going to be snapping him up. But Mbappe, I don't think that we'll see him leave uh, until at the very earliest, the end of his contract with PSG, which is not this coming summer, but the one after that. And PSG will do everything they can in order to extend that. And by the way, Real Madrid fans, you still, you got to figure out your stuff in-house. Sergio Ramos is still trying to deal with his contract, etc. So, you know, worry about what's going on inside before you start talking about Kylian Mbappé. Would you like to see... Although, although, although you know, going back to that link, Ramos potentially leaving, Koundé coming from Sevilla to Real Madrid. Yeah. Could turn out to be Real Madrid's new uh, rock in the center of defense. Yeah, we will see. Uh, Jimmy, very quick. Kylian Mbappé, would you like to see him somewhere else outside of PSG? I think there's always that question of, can he do it in another league? He's only played in France his whole career and, and very similar to Messi, right? We, we want to see him play somewhere else just to see if he can dominate there. We all know that he can, but we just want to see it anyway, right? So uh, I, I think it would be cool to see him. I don't, I don't know where he'll end up, but it seems like I can envision him wearing the, 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 the colors of Real Madrid Los Blancos. So, so I don't know. I, I, I think he'll probably stay. I, I do think there's an outside chance that they will get messy in this upcoming summer transfer window. And if that happens, I mean, could you imagine? So I don't know. I don't know. It's all, it's all, uh, it's all to play for. And really it's up to Mbappe, right? What he, what he wants to do. And if I feel like he's accomplished everything he's going to accomplish with PSG, he's going to have to want a new challenge at some point. Yeah, it's so funny that when we talk about Mbappe's career, it's like he's 22 and we're still yeah. <laughs> just so much what he has achieved. All right, final question from Dan. Uh, Dan Morgi, I believe, uh, a fellow villain, by the way, up the villa, Dan. Uh, all right, let's begin with you, Jimmy, on this question. Thoughts on the, you know, PL Premier League circuit breaker pause, you know, uh, about possibly taking a break. Seems like it's needed but not sure how it can be done with an already packed schedule and Euro 2021 uh, slash 2020 coming this summer. What are your thoughts on taking a break uh, in the Premier League? I think they need it. That goes without saying. I think we see the benefit when other leagues do it, uh, specifically the Bundesliga. And they didn't obviously enjoy it this year, but in past years, you know, when they have that three, four weeks, it makes a difference. And you can see that they're a little bit fresher, I think, in those European competitions in particular. Uh, there is some kind of charm, I think, for us neutrals of seeing games, you know, every other day for the most part when, when the Premier League team gets through the, the holiday season. But it is going to wear, wear uh, teams down, especially just due to the back end of last where they just didn't really end. Right. There was that long stoppage. Then we had the Champions League league started right up and then away we go. And, and 
for those top teams that had to compete in all that, I can understand why they need a break in particular. So I, I'm for it. I think anytime um, you can get some rest, sometimes rest is just as important uh, as the work and, and both mentally and physically. And, and I think that uh, the players would probably appreciate it. So we'll end up seeing how it goes. Yeah. JJ, thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think it was inevitable that the Premier League players would need a break at some point because you look around Europe, like Jimmy said, okay, Germany cut their winter break short, but they still had a bit of a break. You know, they, they were still able to recharge the batteries, whereas, you know, the a lot of Premier League teams are, are running off fumes. I mean, I know that uh, Scott Parker is going to be listening to our responses <laughs> with bated breath. Uh, hoping that we hoping that we agree to it being the best decision, but I, you know, I do I do think that there is a lot of logic to it because I think just continuing, uh, you know, to push on with this uh, really, you know, this bloody mindedness of the of the Premier League, it's just going to result in you know very low quality football. Uh, you know, there's already some matches where you know the intensity is not as high. Uh, as uh, as we normally come to expect, so I definitely think sort of a, at least a say ten day window uh, of of no teams playing is is going to benefit the the Premier League clubs, particularly those uh, you know with Champions League obligations when everything comes back. Because you know we were talking about City earlier, we know that they have great strength in depth, but if they get hit by a, a COVID outbreak. Are we going to get to see matches rearranged uh, in the Champions League in the same way that we're seeing in the Premier League at the moment? It just seems like from a logistics point of view and physically for the players uh, and staff, obviously, who can contract it as well. uh, You know, this break is needed uh, and the sooner the better, really. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, any other regular season, there's a discussion about a circuit break. But with COVID, that just adds another whole issue. So but that's it. That's the show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Jonathan Johnson, always a pleasure. Yep. Likewise, thanks a lot for having me on again and uh, great chatting with you guys. Thank you, boys. I want to thank Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Leave a rating and review whenever possible. If you're listening to this or if you have a smart speaker, you can say, hey, Google, play CBS Soccer Podcast. Or, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. It's amazing, right? Technology is ridiculous. All right, so make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Pod. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.